ambassadors of Christ and co-workers of God carrying out the ministry of reconciliation. So in the first message of this conference, we began to realize there are two steps in our being reconciled to God. We who were enemies, not only sinners, not only sinners, but enemies, we needed not only forgiveness, but we needed reconciliation to be brought back to God and to be one with him. For this Christ died for our sins, that we might be reconciled to God from sins. And as Christ was dying for our sins, he was dying for us, our old man, that we might be reconciled to God, to be one with him, to be in him, to enjoy him. And we saw how these two steps of reconciliation were portrayed by the two veils in the tabernacle. And then in messages 3, 4, and 5, we considered the issue, that is, the outcome or the results of the second step of reconciliation. Now, as our final message, we will consider what kind of persons we become having been reconciled to God increasingly, eventually thoroughly. And we become ambassadors of Christ. As we will see, ambassadors are those who represent the government of their country, and they are under the authority of the president or prime minister or king of that country. And these ambassadors for Christ are God's co-workers. This indicates God himself is the worker. He is working And we are co-workers, those working with him. And these ambassadors and co-workers carry out the ministry of reconciliation. And we will devote much time, especially in the first section of the outline, to see that our brother, the Apostle Paul, was an ambassador of Christ and a co-worker of God. But uh, I have somewhat of a concern that we may think, well, the Apostle Paul 
some kind of extraordinary person who met the Lord directly by vision, heard him speaking, received revelation directly from him, heard his voice, knew God's will. But we are just common, ordinary believers. How can we be ambassadors? How can we be co-workers of God? Well, we know from Ephesians chapter 4 that those who are gifts to the body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, are for the perfecting of the saints to do what they do. Not to the same extent, but in essence, the same. Then if we continue reading in Ephesians 4, we will learn that all of these saints who have been perfected or are being perfected by the gifts, they're perfected unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ. That is all of us. Consider your physical body. Every part of your body has a function. As a particular function. And every part, every member is needed. And this principle applies to all of us. That Paul, according to 1 Timothy 1.16, received mercy from God to be a pattern to all those who would believe, including us. So the Lord Jesus is the prototype who is being reproduced in all of us to be conformed to his image as the firstborn son of God. But when we come to this other matter of the ministry, we see that there is not only this prototype, Christ, but there's a pattern, an example of how a great sinner can become, through reconciliation, an ambassador of Christ and a co-worker of God and being such a person carry out the ministry of reconciliation. What kind of person was Paul when we, he was known as Saul, Saul of Tarsus? What kind of person was he? 
We know he was very religious, extremely zealous, advancing in his religion beyond all of his peers. And he eventually became the kind of person, religious person, the Lord Jesus spoke of in John 16 when he said, there will be those who will kill you and really believe they are serving God by killing believers, those who call on the name of the Lord. That is what Saul of Tarsus became. He was there when our brother Stephen was martyred. They kept throwing stones at him till he was dead. And he agreed with that. He was absolutely for that. And then he himself began to persecute the believers. He would enter into the homes of the saints, break up the meeting, and pull the brothers and sisters out and bring them to the religious court where they would be tried and he would vote for the death penalty. In Acts 9, he got some documents from religious leaders that gave him the permission, we may say, to go to other places to find out these believers, those of the way, calling on the Lord and bring them back to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 9, we're told that Saul was breathing out murder. That's what it says. That shows what was in him, murder. According to the Lord's word in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44, the devil was a murderer. He is the murderer. From the beginning. So for Saul of Tarsus to be breathing out murder indicates he has the being of a murderer. He was really a devil man, a religious devil man, wanting to destroy the churches, the church for which Christ died. And capture the believers and want to see as many as possible put to death. Well, in our fallen nature, we're all the same. The satanic element was injected into us. And the capacity for doing things against God, destructive things, is immeasurable. But none of you were breathing out murder against 
someone who had a relationship with God through Christ. So Paul called himself the worst sinner, the greatest sinner. If our sovereign, wise, processed and consummated triune God can make Saul of Tarsus an ambassador of Christ. Can he not do that with all of us? We will not travel around Europe or other places, going to cities, raising up churches the way Paul did. But within our measure, we all can be ambassadors of Christ and co-workers of God. We are all being perfected unto the work of the ministry. And so, as we go through this outline, we're not just learning things about our brother, the Apostle Paul. We are learning things that will become our person and experience as we are being reconciled to God in the second step. Okay, now we come to the outline. Roman numeral one. The ministers of the new covenant are ambassadors of Christ. I do not know what woman or man is the ambassador of the United States of America to Brazil. But surely there is an ambassador. And that Man or woman, the ambassador, was sent to Brazil by the president of the United States to represent the government of the United States and actually to represent the country of the United States. And this ambassador has authority given to do so many things that are responsibilities. And the ambassador has authority because she or he is under authority and is there not representing the self, not to accomplish uh, personal ambitions to fulfill them, but to do what the president requires to be what a representative is, ambassadors. And this is what reconciled believers are. 
The Lord may not send you to another part of the earth, although he may. Maybe this year, a number from Brazil will have the burden to migrate to Portugal to raise up and strengthen the church in Lisbon and other places. And surely you would be an ambassador there. But when you go to work and have friends that are like gospel contacts or co-workers, you can be an ambassador for their sake. This is for us all. It's only a matter of degree or extent. Even a young person in high school can be an ambassador. Now let's see what an ambassador is and does. A, an ambassador of Christ is one who represents God, the highest authority in the universe. Represent God. We were created for this. We were created in God's image. And we were created to represent him with his authority delegated to us to recover the earth. This is why we were created. And now we're being reconciled based upon redemption and regeneration to be representatives of God. One, God has given all authority in heaven and on earth to Christ. And Matthew twenty-eight eighteen uses this expression, the Son of Man. Not only does God and the Son of God as the only begotten Son have authority, the God-man Jesus in ascension, the Son of Man, to him all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. We need to know our Christ in this aspect. All authority, both in heaven and on earth. Two, the Lord needs some ambassadors on earth who are qualified to represent him. Notice this point says, the Lord needs, he needs ambassadors. There are two uh, co-workers. Both of them have been living in California. I wouldn't call them elderly. They're still in the latter part of middle age. And they were burdened. They were sent for Germany, to Germany. 
not representing California, not representing the United States, representing God. And they would not say this, maybe not even think this, but I would testify on their behalf, they are surely qualified. Well, what are some of the qualifications? I would just mention three. The first is being reconciled to God to a very large extent. Reconciled to God. And then second, expressing God through a transformed soul and a soul under transformation. They don't express themselves, their opinions, their views, their feelings. They express God's thoughts, views, feelings, desires, intentions. And an ambassador representing God is qualified by God-man living in the resurrection life of Christ. And all of these matters are being developed in us. I don't know of any ambassador from the United States who is more than 90 years old. There's no requirement that says, oh, if you're even middle-aged, you're not experienced enough, you're not deep enough. Even 75, you're just getting into being elderly. No. That these are human beings that have a significant degree of qualifications. Only Christ is absolutely, perfectly qualified. The Lord needs this. Remember when Peter had that vision or trance recorded in Acts 10 when he was praying on the housetop. And while he was praying, this Gentile, Cornelius, he had an angel visited him. An angel said, send to this city and ask Simon to come. and He will speak words. <coughs> the angel didn't speak the gospel. The angel was a servant of God and the believers, at least one believer. But he was not an ambassador. But Peter was. And the Spirit sent him to the house of that Gentile. And we know what happened. And so, we need to realize the Lord needs ambassadors at the school where you are. Maybe this year you'll start university. 
You can be a normal student, hopefully a very good student, seriously study, diligently work, but you're also an ambassador representing God to your fellow students or on your job or with your neighbors or with your extended family. Three, a new covenant minister is one who has been authorized with the heavenly authority to represent the highest authority. So remember, the Son of Man has all authority in heaven and on earth. And the ambassador is authorized. That is, heavenly authority is given to him. The ambassador does not have it in himself. We have no authority in ourselves. Only God in Christ as the Son of Man has authority. And the ambassador represents the highest authority. Not only represents the living God, not only expresses Christ, but people need to hear and see and learn that there is authority in this universe. And we are representatives of the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he has given some authority to us not to become ours, but for us to represent his. What does the Lord require? What is necessary? So when Ananias was sent, really, as an ambassador to Paul, we'll now call him Paul, he was representing the Lord. That's why he could say, Paul, rise up and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. That's authority. <coughs> Excuse me. You must be baptized. But as you are being baptized, call on the name of the Lord. He wanted to bind and capture anyone he found calling on the name of the Lord. Now someone represents God's authority and requires him. You will not be silent. Call on the name of the Lord. That's the function of an ambassador. When the Lord appeared to Paul on the road. Paul asked two questions. Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. 
The second question was, what shall I do, Lord? The Lord did not tell him. He said, rise, go into the city, and it will be told you what you must do. So Paul met authority. He met the the Son of Man with all authority. And the Son of Man sent Ananias to represent his authority. So Paul would begin to see there's authority in the body represented by the members of the body. This is an ambassador. Small a and b, the apostles were commissioned to represent Christ to accomplish God's purpose. So an ambassador has the spiritual understanding of God's purpose. And as they are representing God and authority, they are, what? They are accomplishing God's purpose, God's intention, God's will. They're not just there talking to people and representing. They are serving the Lord in such a way that as an ambassador, He is accomplishing God's purpose. All the members of the body are representatives of the head, his ambassadors. We we need to believe this. All the members of the body, are you not a member of the body? then you are a representative of the head, his ambassador. Okay, let me illustrate with my body. I'm sitting here at the table with the camera in front of me, but I know you're there in my heart and spirit. I'm reaching out to you contacting you through the word. And now I'm a person living in my body and I want a part of my body to express a feeling that I have. I want these members of the body to express my big heart And so I had the members go like this. The Lord whom I serve has a big heart. My arms. With my wrists. And hands. And fingers. Are representing me. What I'm thinking. What I'm feeling. But let's say, uh, just anyone may be kind of angry, then he may clench his fist and say, no, you must not do that. 
These are members of the body representing the authority of the one whose body he's a part of. The illustration is not perfect, but it might make a little point. We are all in the body of Christ. We are all directly related to the head. Now the head tells my right arm to be raised up. It reminds the left arm, just stay where you are. Doesn't matter what you want to do. I will direct you. And the right arm will say, oh, I like it up here. I'm higher than the other members. Well, the head says, come back down. We are all representatives of the head who has all authority, all of us. Whom did the ascended Christ send to Paul? who was praying. He did not send some leading apostles from Jerusalem. He sent an ordinary member of the body of Christ. I look forward to meeting him. Paul needs to realize you must honor the function of every member of the body because every member represents the authority of the head. Now, point B is somewhat an application of parts of message five where we became the reproduction of God, the Shulamite, remember? And we became the enlargement of the Holy of Holies, which is God himself. So B says, an ambassador of Christ, as an ambassador of Christ, Christ was the acting God, the acting God. And in quotes, what do we mean by the acting God? An act, someone who's an acting God is, is representing God in what he wants to do. Of course, he is not God himself, doesn't have the Godhead. No one should bow down and worship him. But he is saturated with the triune God. He's under the authority of the Son of Man. He's expressing the Lord in his God-man living. And now God wants to take certain actions in preaching the gospel, in establishing churches, in appointing elders, in shepherding the saints. This is God's heart. He wants to do this. He needs someone to represent him by acting out what God himself is doing invisibly. And there is a note related to Elisha in 1 Kings, I think it is. 
For this prophet, Elisha, was the acting God. And Brother Lee says, all the believers can be the acting God. We can all represent him and express him. One, Paul was one with Christ to be the acting God in comforting the believers. He's, he talked about the God of all comfort and encouragement. I will comfort you, he said, with the comfort with which I was comforted by God. You need comfort. You need encouragement. God is the God of comfort, the God of encouragement. He is living in me. Now he's comforting you through me. I'm the acting, comforting God. Two, Paul conducted himself in the singleness of God. For he was an imitator of the simple God and lived God. One aspect of God's being is that he's so clear, he's so definite, He's pure and, in a sense, simple. We humans are quite able to complicate things, really. We, I would never say God is complicated. There's a simplicity with him. Let these people know I care for them. It's so clear. You don't need to add long words to it. God is for you. God forgives you. God has a tender heart toward you. Three. Paul's coming to the Corinthians was the coming of God as grace. Remember in Thessalonica where Paul and the co-workers entered as God-men preaching the gospel. Many turned from idols to the true God. But the religious people were so upset and troubled. They said, the men who have upset the world have come here also. Well, they only saw that men came. But God came. The God of grace came. The forgiving God came. The living God came. How? Through Paul and the co-workers. Because they were acting out the God of grace. The forgiving God. The saving God. Four, Paul forgave a particular matter in the person of Christ. Paul learned that a brother had thoroughly repented of his sin. He had accepted the discipline. 
He had come back to the Lord. The saints there were forgiving him. And Paul said, you forgive, I forgive. But in the person of Christ, in the index of Christ, let me check with the Lord. Oh, I can just look into his eyes, in his face, I know. He is forgiving this brother. And I'm also forgiving. That's the acting God. Living out what God is doing. Five. Paul entreated the believers through the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So he's entreating. He's not demanding. He's not commanding. But he's appealing to them with much feeling. We may say beseeching them. In what way? Through the meekness of Christ. And through the gentleness of Christ. Remember, this was the murder man before. The devil man breathing out murder. And now there's meekness and gentleness of Christ. Have there not been at least a few times in your church life that you've needed and met the gentleness of Christ? That the way someone spoke with you or prayed with you or had fellowship with you, or even just was with you in a human yet godlike way, you were supplied, but you were motivated to follow the Lord in a certain way because of the meekness, no one lording it over you, making decisions for you, placing demands on you. No, meekness, gentleness of Christ, of Christ. Not from the natural life. Six, Paul was, a, was jealous over the saints with the jealousy of God. And the context here is, I betrothed you, to the Lord. I came to preach the gospel to bring you into the divine romance and now I got you engaged to the Lord. And I'm jealous over you. Other teachers are trying to come in and lead you astray, lead you away. They're counterfeits, they're false. And just as a husband should properly, <clears throat> because he loves his wife, be jealous over her. This is my dear wife. Don't you touch her. Don't you damage her. Be careful how you treat her. Well, God has this strong feeling. We're told elsewhere in the Bible, he's a jealous God. He will not allow anyone to replace him. 
So there's quite a range of aspects of being the acting God here. And Paul doesn't wake up and say, well, today I have to be the acting God and what am I supposed to do? He's not conscious of that. He's conscious of the Christ living in him. He's conscious of the body and the needs of the saints. He's burdened for the gospel. <clears throat> he lives in the mingled spirit. He's walking according to the spirit. He's one with the Lord. Christ is making his home in his heart. Christ is saturating him more and more. And spontaneously, he represents God, expresses God, is the acting God. You too. You will be like this. Some of you already are to a certain extent. And now to the second matter. The ministers of the new covenant are co-workers of God. And as such co-workers, they carry out the ministry of reconciliation. And so, all of us are in the process of being reconciled to God in the second step. And through this reconciliation, we are becoming ministers of the new covenant. This is Ephesians 4. We all are ministers. We are all doing the work of the ministry. Now we need to realize we are God's co-workers he is working. In John chapter 5, verse 17, I think it is, the, the Lord said, my Father is working now and I also am working. The Father was in him working, healing this person, teaching that person, <clears throat> forgiving that one. And Paul is living him out, doing the same work. And this work is to carry out the ministry of reconciliation. To bring a sinner, an unbeliever, through the first step of reconciliation. And to be there when he or she is baptized. And we hear them call on the Lord and we pray over them. And we can be ministers of reconciliation to one another. And the mature saints can help reconcile younger saints. We are all still in the process. I cannot say yet I have been thoroughly completely reconciled to God. But I'm in the process with you. A, as ministers of the new covenant, we are God's fellow workers working together with him. 
God is a worker. And while his fellow workers are working, he too is working. You read that verse in Mark 16.20. The believers are doing the work of the gospel, preaching the gospel to the whole creation. And the Lord is working with them. In a way, it's kind of hard to tell who is working with whom. God is working. So we are working with him, doing the work of God. And here we are working to preach the gospel here, working to establish a church here, working to have a training for the young people here, working to have children's meetings here, working to have a conference here, working to take care of practical things needed by the saints. And God is working with us because we are his co-workers. Small two, the God with whom we are working is the God of resurrection. Therefore, we as his co-workers should also be in resurrection. Okay, this is a very important experiential point. We cannot work with God according to our natural life. Let's suppose someone... They just have a lot of energy. It seems they're never tired. I don't know how they can keep going. But that is not the energy of resurrection life. And some are skillful at this or at that. They're eloquent. They're good at managing things. All right. You could get a good job in a company. But that's just your natural life. We need to know and experience Christ as resurrection life. We need to know the God of resurrection in order to work together with him as his co-workers. Because all of his work is in resurrection. Every aspect of his work brings resurrection life to people, to the unsaved, to suffering saints, to one another. In this way, the Lord's recovery is radically different from religious Christianity as an organization. There you have seminaries, Bible schools to develop the natural ability of believers. And some are especially gifted in speaking or they're highly intelligent, they're good theology students. And that natural ability is developed. They eventually become what is called successful 
in religious Christianity. But that is not God's way. Consider Moses. What capacity he had. We're told in in Exodus, his ability to speak, his education, his training, his ability. And he tried to use that to bring all of his people out of slavery. He ended up manslaughter, killing somebody. He needed 80 terms of FTTW, full-time training wilderness. Then when his being was in resurrection, he could work with God. B, if we would be co-workers of God, we need to see that the central work of God is to work himself into man. Okay, there's the central work of God. There are many other necessary works. We do not demean them or diminish them in any way. The gospel preaching, that's a commission to teach the truth, to shepherd the saints, to establish churches, for the elders to manage the churches according to God's administration. All these are necessary works. But a real co-worker of God knows the central work of God. The central work of God is to work himself into man. When Paul prayed that prayer recorded in Ephesians 3, He revealed he was doing the central work of God. God wants Christ to make his home in you. He is building a home in your heart. This is the central work. And I know Brother Lee for decades was burdened that we would see and know and do with God this central work. To what extent we see and know and do, only the Lord knows. So the proper priority is not for us to work for God but for God to work himself into us. I doubt if there is anyone graduating from a seminary or a Bible school and they're quite well educated and their gift has been developed and they are ready to go out and do a work for God. I remember more than 50 years ago a young seminary graduate he told me about his dream to be the pastor of a church with a thousand people. But now that's long gone. I know. 
some of these young ones graduating from these schools. Oh, I want to be the pastor of a mega church, at least 10,000. And there is a young person, a young adult now in the United States, the son of a very rich and famous minister. And they they bought a, or used to be a, a basketball building, a court. And he wants to be like his dad, but I want to meet in a football stadium. What is this? It's all for the self, for self-glory. They would say, oh, this is all for God. It's for God. But they have not allowed God to work himself in Christ into them. A person who is being reconciled to God and who has been reconciled to a great extent knows this central work. Every day I need Christ to build himself into me more. Lord, make your home in my heart. Saturate my whole being. Then I want to be one with you in your central work. We preach the gospel so that people can be saved and God can work himself into them. We establish churches for there to be a corporate expression of the triune God wrought into the being of his children. This is the central work. All the other works are for this. Two, the principle of God's work is to gain persons and by gaining them to have a way to go on. God gains us in two main ways based upon redemption. The first way is he reconciles us to himself. The second way is he builds himself in Christ into us. God wants to gain you, to gain you. Then you will be his way to go on. This term, the way, is used in Acts. The people of the way. Well, we know from John 14, 6, that Christ said, I am the way to the Father. That's right, only he is the way. But we are his way to do his work on the earth. We are working together with him. Three, the material with which God works is himself. And his intention is to make himself our inward elements. This is his central work. And the more we open to him as open vessels and actively choose to allow him to work himself into us, the more we will be able to be his ambassadors, representing him and his co-workers working together with him, all in resurrection life. C, to work with the Lord in carrying out the ministry of reconciliation, 
We need to be mature in life to teach the high truths and to be one with the Lord and our work must be for his body. So let me ask you, those of you that are familiar with the history of the last 20, 30 years in Brazil and South America with the kind of work that was done there. Were those once ambassadors of Christ, co-workers of God? Did they uh, carry out the ministry of reconciliation? Did they, were they mature in life? Any of them? One may become 98 years old, humanly, but not yet be mature in life. Did they teach the high truths? No, they mocked that. Were they one with the Lord in all the work? Was the work for the body, the body of Christ? No, it was to build up a kingdom with a hierarchy. And men who claim to be, I'm the ruler over this country, I'm the ruler over that country. Yes, the greatest king is over there, he's higher than me. That is why the Lord, out of his love for Brazil, meaning the people, his love for all the people in South America, he must have, and he is having, a recovery with ambassadors and co-workers doing the central work of God. Point D, as co-workers, we should do only one work all over the earth, one work to make God's chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people beings in the new Jerusalem. That's our goal. The wife of the Lamb. The Holy of Holies. The sanctuary of God. The kingdom of God. And just the last two points, it's sufficient to read. According to the type of the pillars in the tabernacle, if we would carry out the ministry of reconciliation, we need to be identified with the crucified Christ. So the poles that were holding the first screen, Brother Lee points out in the life study of Exodus, they're the, they're the real evangelists, the real gospel preachers. Through their gospel preaching, through their love of people, many are saved. They just go right through them into the holy place. But then maturing saints, the elders, the co-workers, sisters, maturing in life, they are the pillars holding up the second veil. They're identified with the Christ who died for them. This is an actual, real experience. 
And in the future, the Lord's recovery everywhere, but this conference is focused on Brazil. We will need those two kinds of pillars. The gospel preachers, especially the evangelists. And then those who are experiencing the cross in a deeper way, they've been broken. They're experiencing the crucified Christ. And through them, people enter into God. They're reconciled to God. Four, the extent to which we can bring others to God and into God is always measured by where we are with respect to God. The more we are in him, the more we can reconcile others into him. So I mention again, we're a large family. Someone like a human family where you may have really a very elderly, great, great grandfather, his son, grandfather, his son, father, and then many children of different ages. This is a picture of the church. But all of us, to some extent, have been brought back to God. And many, many saints are being brought more and more into God. So we can bring others to where we are. But we cannot bring them beyond where we are. Brother Lee, when he was with us, was way beyond where we were, and he kept going on, and so there was never any frustration. Anyone and everyone could be brought on through his ministry. And this principle applies to us. No matter where you are, you can bring someone to where you are. You may be a sister 15 years old, hearing at least part of this message. Now maybe I get your attention a little bit. You can bring a friend, a classmate to the Lord. You can. And then in the future, you'll be able to bring others into God. Eventually, you will reach maturity. And there'll be no limit on how you can care for people in the ministry of reconciliation. So now I just offer as a heave offering to the Lord these outlines, these six messages, I don't trust in what I know or what I'm able to say or try to say. I trust in the God of blessing. May the Lord bless his word. May his hand follow the word. May the Lord richly bless all the saints and all the churches in Brazil. 
May the Lord bless all the saints and all the churches throughout the continent of South America. May we all advance in the ministry of reconciliation. All the glory, all the praise, all the honor goes to the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. How we thank him for the ministry of reconciliation. Amen.